It's time for the Raging Cajun Army. The only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. Kick is on its way, and the kick is good! Cajuns win! 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 A 50-yard field goal! And time expires by Brent Bear in Louisiana! And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. To another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. I'm your host, Matt Miguez. And, you know, here in Lafayette and Cajun Nation, there's a lot to be excited about right now. Because now the Cajuns are 5-2 and two off of a big win against Arkansas State. And, you know, we'll kind of break all of that down right now. And to do that with me is my good friend Jerry Bear. You know him from, you know, the... 10 episodes that he's probably co-hosted with me. Jerry, what's going on, man? Not too much, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, you know, obviously we're, we're four days removed from the big road win over Arkansas State in Jonesboro, which is a place I can only describe it the way most people describe Tiger Stadium. And I paraphrase when I say it's where UL's dreams go to die. <laughs> um... But that wasn't the case this year, you know, and and I, I don't want to say that it was a convincing victory, but it was pretty convincing. What 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 did you see on on your end out of the Cajuns Thursday night? Well, last week before the game, we discussed it. You know, it's very hard to win up there, like you said. Uh, I believe the Cajuns had won like three, maybe. Three times since 1997 or 1996 up in Jonesboro out of like the 11 or 12 times they've been up there. So it's not it's not an easy place to play. And, and Arkansas State, they really have a good home field advantage there, you know, regardless of their opponent. Even besides the Cajuns, they win a lot up, up there in Jonesboro. So it was nice to go up there, uh, get the win. But also, too, um, I thought, I thought that the – I thought the defense did a great job um, making stops uh, at key at key parts of the game. Um, you know, they gave up. You know, they gave up some yardage here and there. Uh, I said last week that they had to contain, you know, really contain their passing game because they did a great job um, throwing the ball up and down the field. But one thing the Cajuns did last week, and this is what really counts, they kept that team out of the end zone. They kept that team out of the end zone, even though Arkansas State did sustain a few offensive drives. They kept their offense out of the end zone. So that was really big, and I thought the offense did a great job. Um, uh, I thought Levi, for the most part, did his part. He Once again, he took what the defense gave him. Uh, the run game, you know, doing their thing. Raymond Kale, I mean, what more can you say about Ray Ray? I mean, he killed it the other night. And, of course, you, balance, you were able to balance it out with uh, a great run, rushing attack. Besides Raymond, of course, with Elijah and, uh, and Trey. So... Just a great win overall to go on the road, and now we can all take a deep breath, a 16-day break before coming back for homecoming on November 2nd against Texas State. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, football in Louisiana, besides just the Cajuns, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, there are a lot of successful programs here. And how about the Saints yesterday getting that win against Chicago on the road? So football all around, just uh, – it's been successful here in this state, and I know there's a lot of happy people that follow it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, um, y- you mentioned the dominant performance by Raymond Kale, and you know, th- this morning 
here here Monday this morning he was named the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week for his 144 yards on only eight carries. Um, you know we'll, we'll talk about that total domination in a second. Um, I'm looking at some post game notes from the university, and I'm just gonna read a few of them. Louisiana improves to five and two and two and one in Sunbelt Conference play. It was the Cajuns first win in Jonesboro since 2009. The first time that we have started 2 and 1 in conference play since 2017. Most points scored in Jonesboro since October 4th of 1997. We'll let that one sink in because I was only a month old. Wait, you ready for this? I actually sort of remember that game because believe it or not, now this is how far UL football has has come since 1997. That year, uh, when the Cajuns won, I think the final score was, I believe it was something like 41 to 38. But what's ironic about that, that was the Cajuns' only win that year. Was it really? They went went 1 and 10. They won on the road against Arkansas State. And then the following week, I believe it was, North Alabama, a D2 university, came to Cajun Field and beat them in four overtimes. So you want to talk about you want to talk about like the absolute pit of of hell of the pit that of misery went through. Oh my gosh, it's it's amazing how far that this program has come in, in twenty years and how much how much better it's become and how much it's improved since then. But yes, I do. It's it's funny you mentioned that, but that's what that that's unfortunately that's the memory it brought back. Yeah, and you know you you talk about how much the the program has come just in the last. You know, 22 years. We have we have some news to to break down. Uh, I didn't think that we would have to talk about this this early, but we'll get into it here in a second. Let's let's continue with some more of the post game notes. Regis and Mitchell have scored a rushing touchdown in now six of the first seven games this season. It is the wow. second time this season and third time in their career that Regis, Mitchell, and Kale have each scored a rushing touchdown in the same game. It was the fourth time this season the Cajuns have held their opponent to 10 or less points in the first half. They held Texas Southern to 6, they held Ohio to 6, they held App State to 7, and then Arkansas State to 10. And Kale and Mitchell both rushed for over 100 yards. This is the 28th time in school history that two players have rushed for over 100 yards in the same game. Now, you know, we'll get into the the scoring summary of how the 37 to 20 victory came about. And Jerry, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but the game kind of started a little slow. Well, I mean, anytime you you let anytime your defense gets on the field and lets Arkansas State or any opponent just march down and and get an easy touchdown, it's a little scary. Yeah. It's a little scary, and, and this is coming off of a loss the week before at home to App State. So, of course, that memory comes back of, oh, geez, you know, they're picking up from where they left off. Right. Um, but, I mean, the way they responded was, was awesome. That's where, it really, that's where it really matters is how they responded. Yeah, Arkansas State got the ball to start the game, and they started at their own five-yard line. So things looked good for the Cajuns defensively. But Lane Hatcher used his weapons, and I do mean absolute weapons, on offense in Marcel Murray, Omar Bayless, and Kirk Merritt, and just kind of had his way with the Cajuns' defense. Went 12 plays, 95 yards, and had the 10-yard touchdown pass to Brandon Bowling to give them a 7-point lead You know, in the first 5 minutes of the game. And for the most part, after that, the first quarter was they kind of traded three and outs. Uh, Louisiana didn't score until 11 seconds left in the first quarter. It was that nine-play, 74-yard drive, and Trey Regis punched it in from a yard out. So, you know, the first quarter would end at 7-7, seven to seven, but it, it, it kind of felt like kind of a more drawn-out game than 7-7. Seven to seven. Maybe just because of the match of the amount of three and outs, should I say? You know what? What did what did you think of that first quarter from you know either team? Well, I, I think after that first touchdown drive, um, 
that Arkansas State was able to get. I, I was wondering or curious of how the Cajun offense would be able to respond right away. And in the first drive, and we were watching, we were all watching the game together. The Cajun offense ran three straight pass plays and got a three and out. And that's what we're, we're, all, we're all just throwing our hands up in the air, going, "Man, what are, what are you doing? Why, what? why, why are we, didn't why we are just, we throwing the ball?" Well, it was more along the lines of, didn't we just see this last week or the week before against App State, where we're like, "Why are we starting out like this?" Why are we trying to get cute? Right, and so that's, I'm, I'm kind of like, what in the heck, you know, so sure enough, you know, the defense, outstanding job. Outside of that first touchdown drive, they did a fantastic job, to really the rest of the game. And the fact that they were able to force Arkansas State to punt, I just had a feeling if the defense, if they were able to make some key stops early on, which they did, the Cajun, all it took was one drive for the Cajuns to get going, and and they did. Um, that first, you know, when the Cajuns responded with a touchdown, it was a very balanced drive, uh, which included that thirty-yard pass to Jamarcus Bradley. Um, that was, I mean, that was an amazing catch. But Levi put the ball where it needed to be. It was a back shoulder throw, and that kind of got the offense going. And that's when you started to see them mix and match a little bit between the run and the passing game. And I thought they did a really good job being able to feed Regis the ball, uh, letting Levi roll out a little bit, you know, uh, complete a pass or two, uh, especially in scoring in scoring position. And, and I believe that was Regis that countered with a, a touchdown run. But yep. once they got that drive going, I felt really good after that because I said, all right, now, now the engine's rolling, right? That offense is clicking. They needed that touchdown drive to really get things going. And really they did. They did pretty well after that. And you know, like like we said, the the first quarter ended at seven to seven, and to start the second, UL's defense kind of came out with that "bend but don't break" mentality. They gave Arkansas State a sixteen play, seventy one yard drive, but they only gave up three points, which you know, which which isn't which is important when you're trying to establish your presence in in a road game. Well, you're on the road. You're playing an Arkansas State team that knows how to score, and that was that's what was important because, again, yeah, like you said, you give up a 16-play drive, but I mean, to me, that's a small victory. For the Absolutely, Cajuns absolutely. To give up a field goal and, instead of letting them get into the end zone, and I mean, and I know we're about to get into it, but right after they kicked the field goal, what happened next? Yeah, you know, nine plays, 74 yards for the Cajuns' offense. Elijah Mitchell had the 11-yard touchdown run, and just like that, it's a 14 to 10 ball game. Now the Cajuns have the lead. Now the defense is, you know, making some key stops. Now you start to see the the tide turn a little bit towards the Cajun. That momentum starts to turn a little bit towards the Cajuns. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the big plays. One, you know, you talked about the connections that Levi Lewis and Jamarcus Bradley had. Here was another one here on a third and eight from UL's 28-yard line. Levi completes a 31-yard bomb to Jamarcus Bradley to put them on the positive side of the field. And then, you know, uh, Trey had a five-yard run, actually two five-yard runs back-to-back to get them yet another first down. And then I can I can remember this play vividly. It was the first down from the Arkansas State 31-yard line. Wait, actually, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong drive. Hold on. Well, they were both... They were both nine plays, seventy-four yards. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was looking at the. That's what threw me off. I was looking at the wrong drive. Um, this was the drive where on third and six from the thirty, Levi kind of panicked a little bit, but then he regrouped himself and got the thirteen-yard run for the first down, which really kind of pushed the offense in the right direction. Then he, a couple plays later, he had that completion to Khalif Cassette for sixteen yards. He had a. Um, he handed off to Elijah Mitchell a couple times, and then Elijah Mitchell took it 11 yards for a touchdown. And like like we said, you know, now it's 14 to 10. The Cajuns are in in the lead. And the Cajuns kind of have the momentum. And you know, the next drive by Arkansas State, you force a you force a punt, and then now comes that first play of Raymond Kale's gloriousness. His 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 80 yard scamper down the sideline you know that play I I don't want to say that it was 
I mean, don't get me wrong, kudos to Raymond Kale on this touchdown run. But if it wasn't for Bam Jackson, I don't think Ray would have ever gotten there. Man, I, I, I don't think people. I don't think enough people mention um, mention this. But even one of my coworkers said this this morning. We were talking about the game um, from the other night, and and I don't think people really notice. And it's not a bad thing, but you notice how well the receivers block. Oh yeah, our our that that's one of the best things about our offense is the receivers' I ability mean, to block. In my opinion. You look at you look at times when you'll see Levi throw a pass in the flat, whether it's I don't know to Kale or or Regis or even Jamarcus Bradley or Jalen Williams, whoever, and you see him cut up the field. If those receivers aren't blocking, those you know twenty yard pass plays on up the sideline might be a five yard pass. You know that that's how much of a difference it makes when you have receivers that can block and block consistently. Very yep. consistently. I mean, that's that's been very impressive uh, this year. I've noticed every time they go up the sideline, you can expect uh, the receiving core to, to have some really good blocks. Um, and that's something to be very thankful for when, when you're able to, to have a, a very prolific offense like the Cajuns have. No, absolutely. And, you know, after that 80-yard touchdown run, the Cajuns defense comes out and forces a three and out. The Cajuns maneuver a 12-play drive down the field, get a field goal, make it 24-10, to 10, and that's kind of how the first half ended. And so 24-10, to 10, you're up two scores on the road in a place that you have not had much success. Is, is there anything to really complain about at the end of the first half if you're Billy Napier? Well, no, because then, you, you know, you're, here's the thing. Your last, what, three? No, your last four drives. Your last four drives that you had the ball scored 24 points i mean that's four straight drives where you were able to score not only score but score from like a long distances you know you're not it's not like you got a turnover and got the ball in the red zone i mean you had two two drives for 74 yards you had one at for 80 yards of course raymond Kale made that beautiful run um up the field and then you've got a 56 yard drive to close the half out i mean this offense i mean i think before the game uh, we were talking about the, how depleted Arkansas State was on defense. And I know Josh isn't here, but he talks about imposing your will. We imposed our will in the second quarter yeah. on that Arkansas State defense. I mean, we really showed the full potential of what this offense is made of. And we did it. We, we, we really just showed our identity uh, in a way where there was no – outside of that 31-yard pass, there was no bomb or deep throw or – any, any trickery, it was round and pound, you know, throw your seven, eight-yard pass to the flat, balance it out, uh, you know. And then that run Levi made earlier in the in the second quarter, that 13-yard that run you were talking about on third down, man, I thought that was the play of the drive. And outside of the touchdown, I thought it was the play of the drive. But I was looking and I'm like, man, where has this been all year, you know? I mean – Obviously, he's very elusive, but to see him cut up field and get that first down like he did, that was huge. Yeah, Levi and, Levi has an uncanny ability to be able to run the football and use his feet. Honestly, I think it would really benefit the Cajuns to kind of throw some zone read packages into the game plan every now and again. Look. You let him run some zone read with that three-headed monster. You just you just added another you add another weapon to this offense. Absolutely, and 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 I'm, and I'm not saying run a zone read every single drive down the field, but I mean, I, in in my opinion, I think it benefits you to keep the defense honest. Well, here's the thing: that touchdown uh, against when Appalachian State scored that uh, second touchdown to end the game. <laughs> zone read. That I mean, zone read was beautiful. But nobody, nobody, nobody bought. I mean, everybody bought it. Nobody was expecting Zach Thomas to keep the football. Why? Because they were expecting. I mean, all game you know, for the most and, part. And you see, everybody but, was expecting to run. I mean, you do that with Levi. Same thing's going to happen. Right, and same you, thing's you know that that's kind of my point because you, you think about it. You look, you look at App State's a perfect example. Darrington Evans is a solid running back. 
There's there's no denying that. Oh yeah. But Absolutely. he's no Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, or Raymond Colley. No. So I think if you can, if because and I I totally see there there were a couple opportunities, especially in this game, where the zone read could have been perfectly sold. Because oh, yeah. you know that every defense in this conference is going to buy in on those backs. Well, that, that's the thing they're keying they're keying in on them. Right, and so Levi could run for 120 yards a game if he wanted to. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so I think that's a, a weapon that the offense needs to look into, especially down the stretch, and especially if we end up, like we think we will, back in Boone in December playing for the conference championship. Yeah, I uh, I, I think moving forward, um, you know, I don't want to look too ahead, but what we saw the other night with the balanced attack, I still like that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised... Uh, you know, if Coach Napier would have something up his sleeve, which would include Levi keeping it, because he's got the legs for it, um, and you can definitely use that to your advantage when everybody's keying in on the running backs. I mean, if you think about it, every defense that has faced us has put seven, eight guys in the box, especially for short yardage, because they know it's coming. Right. I mean, if you, I mean, you want to trick, you want to trick a team, let them put seven, eight men in the box expecting to run. Or expecting, you know, some type of dive up the middle, and that leaves I keep. And yeah, you you, you you pull out on a on a rollout, yeah. Oh, he will walk into the end zone. He won't even have to run. He would walk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, like like we said, you know, twenty four to ten, going into the third quarter, and the Cajuns got the ball to start the second half. And you and I looked at each other at halftime and said, "Look, it's simple. If we score to open the third quarter, this game's all but over." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's over. But that wasn't the case. You see, Arkansas State opens the third quarter with, and I'm still not 100% sure if it was a planned onside kick or if he just kicked it wrong. But, you know, the, the, the pooch kick and then tack on the kick catch interference because, and I, I don't remember who caught the the football, but apparently he caught a fair catch. Yeah. Um, so they tacked on another 15 yards for that. So we got the ball at the 38-yard line. Elijah Mitchell runs it for three yards. Elijah Mitchell runs it for nine yards. So now you're at the 26. You've run two plays in a row. Don't get me wrong. I didn't disagree with the play call. I'm okay in that situation airing it out a little bit. But God, if you're gonna air it out, you've got to hit your receiver. I just felt like you can't sail it like Levi did, which forced an interception. Well, that's the key word, forced. I felt like that that throw was forced um, because it was a designed play to go to that corner. And if you notice this year, and I, you know, I've been critical about that play where we throw the fade. Right. How many times has it worked this year so far? Zero. It worked one time actually. Against um, against Ohio, when Jamarcus Bradley made that circus one-handed grab. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. But outside of that, how many times has that play worked? Right. Yeah. What What are we? Why, one of One of thirty-one. Why? Okay. So you just got you just got two plays for twelve yards. You're on the twenty-six, and even though it's you know the opening of the second half or the first couple plays of the second half, there's no question that Arkansas State interior D line is pretty much all but tired. Okay. Why, okay, even if you don't run it, why go for the end zone right away? Why right. Not try to, why not try to throw a screen pass or two? Why not do, you know, the five or six-yard rollout uh, to the flat that, that Levi's good at doing? Why go for the end zone right away? Right, and, you know, because that's like, that's like I said a second ago. I'm, I'm all for keeping the defense honest. So I didn't disagree with throwing the ball right there. But, but that doesn't mean you throw it to the end zone. Right, that, but that, 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 that's my point. I don't think that the design play fade to the back corner to the end zone was the play that needed to be made or even attempted Look, right there. All, all first half, Levi's best throws were between five to six, seven, eight yards. Slants, passes to the flat, uh, screens. You know, I mean, why go to the end zone? 
I mean, and look, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, if you wouldn't know, if you know now, what you know, blah blah blah. Look, no, I'm one of those guys. I like I like to go, you know, little by little, right? You're wearing their defense down. They're pretty much their morale's pretty much shot by now. You're up two touchdowns. All you got to do is heck, even if you score a field goal, you're up twenty seven ten. You're up three scores. Right. Now you go to the end zone. It's picked off. Now you just gave them a, a fresh. A, I mean, really, you just gave them a, a fresh breath of life. Because if they score, it's a seven-point game. Now they're in it. Now they get momentum back. You know, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Look, I'm not a coach, but I just, I don't know. I never, I, I didn't understand that play call. And, you I know, I'll, they I'll, gone, thir- you know, I'll throw this quick jab before we, uh, before we continue the scoring summary. But had it been a touchdown, we'd be praising Rob Sale for that play call. So... You know, call it call it what you will. Well, I'd be praising him. I'd also be kind of like, wow, that was a risk. <laughs> well, was, of course. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, and so, I, I still, like, breathe a heavy sigh of relief. Like, wow, man, we, we took a chance on that one. No, yeah, no, no question. But luckily for the Cajuns' offense, the defense stepped up, forced a punt after that interception, so they didn't get anything out of it. But, no, no, thankfully. But then the offense stalls going three and out. So now it's you're giving the ball back to Arkansas State. And I'm going to double check here. You gave them pretty decent field position. After after the three and out, they fielded the punt at the 30. Yep. So now they're at their 30. You know, that's pretty solid field position. They march down the field, nine plays, 42 yards. They get a field goal. So now it's 24 to 13. So now the you know I I remember talking to you at this point in the game and saying you know eleven points if we go down and score right here you know it's a seventeen point eighteen point game late in the quarter you know now we can say again the game would be all but over right exactly but you punt again you get you get you get nothing again you punt the ball. And then Arkansas State and that magical offense that they seem to think that they have, but you know we'll, we won't even get into that. Eleven plays, eighty-eight yards, and then I I will say this: the the touchdown play on this drive was absolutely phenomenal. It was that double reverse with Omar Bayless and Kirk Merritt, and Kirk Merritt after he dumped the ball back to Lane Hatcher ends up streaking down the sideline, and Hatcher just threw a dime into the end zone. It was that fade route that we got picked off on. Yes. And Kirk Merritt definitely made a SportsCenter top 10 type catch. No, that was that was a fantastic catch. And double coverage on top of that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just I, got, I have to give props to the, to the local kid. A lot of people don't know this, but Kirk Merritt's from Destrehan. So, um, you know, that was a, that was a phenomenal catch. And so now, you know, sitting here at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's 24 to 20. And they have the momentum at home. But the Cajuns, the Cajuns offense comes out and says, well, you know, not so fast. And I'm, I'm looking at the summary for this drive and it was almost all throwing the ball. Well, I, I mean, look, one one thing that stuck out to me was I thought this was actually a drive where uh, I want to say Levi completed three or four straight passes. Yep, passes. four straight passes. Four straight passes, and they were crucial passes. One was on third and six. Yep. Uh, another one was, uh, let's, well, actually, no, the crucial one was third and six. It was that slant. Right, to Cleve Gassette. And they showed the, the crowd. They were getting into it on third down, and it's momentum, momentum, momentum. And, of course, it goes back to, here we go, we're in Jonesboro, right? Uh, right, right. For some reason, the juju of Jonesboro is going to come back and, and bite us in the in the rear end. And sure enough, uh, great, great pass play by Levi Lewis down to Khalif Gassett. It was right on a slant too, and it was just enough to get the first down. And that kind of that kind of slowed that momentum for Arkansas State. And from there, once again, the short passes, the five or six yard run plays, um, and eventually we were able to get in. Uh, get into score, but that was that was a really really great drive, a really great way to kind of get that momentum back. 
Now, Jerry, you know, let's not forget that this drive was set up by a 47-yard kick return by none other than Raymond Colley. Which was huge. Absolutely. That um, th- That set us up at midfield. That was big, yeah. And, and uh, he actually, I think he was like one guy, one tackler away from Oh, he, he, almost, he almost broke it, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about the four straight pass plays. Lewis to Gassette for 10. Lewis to Bradley for 5. Lewis to Ralston for 6. And then Lewis to Bradley again for 10 more. And then that's kind of when Elijah Mitchell took over the drive a little bit. He had back-to-back carries for 8 yards. And then you have the false start penalty on third down, on third and two, which makes it third and seven. But Levi Lewis said no problem. Eight-yard pass to Demarcus Bradley to set them up at the six. And then that was a big play. Elijah that Mitchell. Was probably, I'm sorry, but that was probably the play of the drive, right? Oh, absolutely. That eight-yard play on third and seven, no doubt. That was huge. And then, you know, Elijah Mitchell, three straight runs of three, two, and one to punch it in for the touchdown. Of course, you know, the, the PAT by Stevie Arteague was missed. But, you know, that's kind of... Laces were in. In the, in the past now. Yeah, the laces were in. No harm to Stevie. We'll, uh, we'll let it go. And then Arkansas State kind of made some noise. Uh, you know, they had a couple big plays in this drive. A 14-yard pass on second and 20. And then they got the third, third and sixth conversion to Omar Bayless, which, by the way... Props to that kid because he is a stud. He is not your really um, But even bigger props to the Cajun secondary for con- I don't want to say containing him. Uh, he had 150 yards. I don't. I don't really want to say that we contained him. But, but they kept him out of the end zone. Absolutely, and you know that's that's the big thing. He's he's the nation's leader in receiving yards and touchdowns. So keeping him out of the end zone was a big thing. And then this was the drive right there on fourth and one where you stuffed Marcel Murray at the line uh, to, to keep your momentum and your 10-point lead with six minutes left in the game. But that's when Raymond Kale again said, okay, you know, I'm going to end this game right here right now. Three, ca- three yards on first down. Timeout Arkansas State with 327 left. And then... The very next play, second and seven from the 38, he gets a pitch play right around the edge, and he goes untouched 40 yards into the end zone. Yeah, that, that was the exclamation point. That, that, that put the final nail in the coffin. But I want to go back to that fourth and one. Uh, they reviewed, uh, when Arkansas State had the ball in the drive before, they reviewed the ball spot, I believe. Yeah, um, they did. On, was it third down or fourth down? Um, they had originally given Lane Hatcher the first down, and then they reviewed it. And they was a yard short. Yeah, that was the, about, that was the second down run. Yeah, yeah. So they stopped him on third down. Right. So it's fourth and one. Man, how was it? Uh, Tariq Miller and Chauncey Manak. How about those two guys <laughs> thrashing through the offensive line of Arkansas State and stuffing the run? The the best one? the best way that it was described was actually, and as much as I dislike these guys nowadays, the ESPN broadcasters. They described Chauncey Manak as a bull getting shot out of a cannon. Oh yeah, and that to me that's the play of the game. And so you know that that's was the a, play of the game. That was a huge play. Arkansas State got the ball back after that seventeen point lead, and they kind of put some things together. They had the, those two big passes to Omar Bayless, which is where he got the majority of his yards. Uh, he had a seventeen yard catch to the 45, and then they had the 49-yard bomb down the field, which set them up at the UL 6-yard line. And then they tried to throw that back corner fade into the end zone, but there was A.J. Washington to intercept it, and you know that really put the nail in the coffin there. Because don't get me wrong when I, when I say this, with 3.18 left, it was almost impossible for Arkansas State to come back and make this a game or even try and take the lead. But crazier things have happened. Well, you don't want to... I mean, again, they're at home. They can score. They throw the ball well. You don't want to give them any breathing room. And what is it... I, I, I don't understand this, but like even against Ohio, I believe it was A.J. Washington. What is with A.J. Washington coming in late in the game and, and intercepting passes in the end zone? Right. To seal the game? 
I want. I want to say that's his third end zone interception of the game, of the season. Play a team close. We're just gonna bring them in and just put them in the red zone and just let them pick off passes and seal the game. Hey, I'm I'm all for it. It works. It works. No, he's uh, he's sort of like uh, like the Undertaker, right? Kind of like the Grave Digger, I guess, because he just comes in and he's like he finishes all hope of life. Yeah. For, uh, for our opponent. Well done. Well done on AJ on. That was a nice pick too, by the way. I mean, he uh, it was a very heads up play in the end zone. He was very well concentrated on the catch. Well done on that pick, and that pretty much sealed the deal. And you know we'll uh, we'll take a step we'll take a step back now after the scoring summary. Thirty-seven to twenty was the final score. Cajuns over Arkansas State. We'll take a break. Uh, I've got the two-minute drill coming up next, and we will talk about the stats in this football game, and we'll also break down a news story that came out earlier today on this rainy Monday afternoon. So we'll take a step back and we'll be right back on the Rage of Cajun Army. Rage of Cajun Nation, welcome into the two-minute drill. I'm Matt Miguez and here we go. Water ski team, congratulations on your seventh national championship last weekend. Soccer, season finale this weekend. Friday they host Georgia Southern. Sunday they're hosting Troy. Looking for some points there in those two matchups. They could finish in the top three in the Sunbelt Conference. Volleyball. Big sweep last weekend against the Georgia schools. Ladies come home for the Dick Pink weekend this weekend. Little Rock on Friday, Arkansas State on Saturday. Baseball, fall camp is in full swing. Gearing up for the fall exhibition versus Tulane on November the 3rd. Basketball, season openers fastly approaching for both the men and the women. The men won't get started till November the 5th as they host Loyola. The women have two exhibition games. October 28th against Mississippi College, November 1st against Spring Hill College, both in the Cajun Dome, before tipping off against Loyola New Orleans on November the 7th. Soccer and volleyball matches are free, but for basketball, you can get tickets at RagingCajuns.com or call the Raging Cajun box office at 337-265-2100. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Raging Cajun Army. Email me your questions, comments, and concerns, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com. And if you see me at a UL event, come talk to me. I'd love to get to know you guys, and you know we can work on spreading the Raging Cajun culture. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Two Minute Drill. Once again, I am your host, Matt Miguez, and we'll talk more later in this episode about the recap against Arkansas State. And then next week, we'll preview the football matchup for homecoming against Texas State, right here on the Raging Cajun Army. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army, Matt and Jerry. And, you know, Jerry, I, as the two-minute drill just played, I talked about the the water ski team winning their seventh national championship. Congratulations to the water ski crew. You know, water, water skiing isn't really a talked-about sport in the college realm, but, you know, a seven-time national champion is – Something to be extremely proud of as a university. Look, when my dad went to USL uh, back in the '60s, he was on the national champion uh, weightlifting team. So, uh, anytime you you bring a national championship to your university, regardless if it's sponsored by the NCAA or not, or I mean, you're still competing against other universities around the country, and you can say that you're the best. So. Regardless of that, no, well done by the water ski team. Uh, and on top of that, you, uh, <laughs> you you won up you uh, you you won up the school up north, up in Monroe, because they they take pride in their water ski team, and it's nice to see that we came out on top on another sport. <laughs> right. So no, seriously though, congratulations to the UL water ski team, national champions. Wow, that sounds great. And Job you know, you, you talk about one upping the school up north. I, I love the opportunity to do that. So let's just talk about the fact that they got demolished by Appalachian State on Saturday. 52-7. to I was actually shocked by that score. Um, I didn't expect that. I expected App State to most likely win, but I didn't expect it to be a drumming like that. Uh, and, and like I said about our game against App State, they make you pay for mistakes. You know, Monroe turned the ball over early in the game, and uh, I think... It was 7-7, then App State goes up 14-7. Yo Monroe gets this little drive going. They turn the ball over. It's a fumble. App State returns the, the fumble back to, like, the 10-yard line. Then they score to go up 21-7, and after that, that was pretty much ball game. I mean, that was a routing from there. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it actually helps us out in the Sun Belt. Yeah, that, that sets us up for a three-way tie. Well, it sets us up for a three-way tie, and guess what? they got to play Arkansas State, so those two can do more damage to each other while we sit back and watch. Right, we're, <laughs> so we're going to sit back I'm with some popcorn and watch it all happen. Look, I'm just hoping that the Cages take care of a business to where by the time we get to ULM and the home finale... That game doesn't matter. We seal our fate and go and, and have a spot in the, in the Sun Belt Championship. Well, but, actually, you know, we, gotta, we have more games to play, so got to take care of business first Jerry, before getting... I'm actually mistaken. I'm looking at the Sunbelt standings right now, and it puts us in a tie with Monroe. Yes, because Arkansas State has two losses. They're one and two in the conference, right? That's correct. They lost to Georgia State. That is correct, yes. So now it's us and Monroe. So like like you just said, if Arkansas State can, you know, find a way to get that victory, we're sitting pretty at the top of the mountain. And remember what I said about the schedule getting a little bit easier now? The schedule, I, I don't even want to say a little bit. I think the schedule gets a lot easier. I mean, look, and I don't I don't want to jinx it, but look, we have Texas State's number. They're not playing too well yeah. right now. And we have a bye going into that game. Again, so. knock on wood. Knock on wood, yeah. Um, But, but I, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think, I don't want to call it a tune-up game, but like you said, we've had their number. We're at home. We're on a huge wave of momentum after finally winning in Jonesboro. All signs point into us winning convincingly. Well, here's the thing. You you, you get a full week of rest. And you really get a 16-day 16 day, 16 day, uh, rest. I mean, 16 days of rest to where it's not just like your normal two weeks. I mean, the Cajuns didn't even play this Saturday. Right. That's two extra days where they can just kind of rest up, condition, uh, go back to the drawing board, kind of relax a little bit. That's and, and this bye could not have come at a more perfect time. I thought the way, look, we've played some awkward or odd uh, odd days, right? The Wednesday game, the Thursday game. But having this two weeks or this 16 days off, you prepare for a Saturday game, finally a Saturday game at home. Then you go... On a five game, a five game turnaround to Coastal, right on, on that Thursday night. Right outside of that Thursday night game, your final three games are on Saturday. So finally, you can kind of get back into a normal routine. Um, but what's good is that Texas State game sets us up for a pretty tough game at Coastal. But I feel really good because now, like I said, the reason why the buy is so important is because the players are coming; they can they can rest up. And they can get ready for that final five game stretch, if that makes any sense, right? Right. The final stretch where it's all conference, every game's important. But if they take care of business like they're supposed to, I think I'm, I'm feeling pretty good going into that ULM game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, all signs point to the the Cajuns having success down the stretch. Like I said, because again, like you said, we've had Texas State's number. We've always had success against them. We're coming off of a rest, and they're not because Saturday they go to Arkansas State. It's Arkansas State's homecoming. Oh wow! Um, so they they don't get any form of rest. So you know, I I don't want to say that that's an automatic win because I mean no game is. But you know, call it call it what you will. I, I won't say anything to jinx it. And then, like you said, you know the point that the point that worries me is that five-day turnaround to Coastal. And not not that Coastal's, you know, a very good team. They haven't won a conference game yet. But what worries me is not only the five-day turnaround, but it's in Conway. And then, I don't know if you've watched them this year, but they run some unique offenses. Yeah, it's very similar to what Georgia Georgia Southern runs. It's sort of that triple option, and it's very it's a triple option, and it's also like a balanced attack out of the shotgun. And five days to prepare for that is to me it's 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 a shortage of time. But again, I don't think. Well, first of all, I think the players are going to be thinking about revenge after last season. And secondly, like you said, I think they've run into a little bit of a slump. But it sets up for a good trap game. It sets yeah. up for a good trap game. It does. But, it does. But again, the beauty of it is this team gets to, you know, they get two weeks of rest. So get ready for Texas State, and then after that, worry about about Coastal. But I like the way that this season is set up. 
mean, look, man, the Cajuns are five and two for the first time since 2000, or should I say 2013? Yeah. And first time since 2013, six years, the Cajuns are at five and two at this point of the season, and it's only getting better. And I think this team is they're starting to click, they're starting to gel. Um, you know that App State game. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker. It, it kind of stunk that we lost. Now, App State's twenty. They're, they're they're number twenty-one in the AP poll right now. <laughs> you know we yeah. went toe to toe with the number twenty-one team in the country. And granted, look, I <laughs> take care of business. You, you're going to get another shot at them. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know you talked about we haven't been five and two since twenty thirteen. And, you know, I think that's a perfect segue into what I want to talk about next. And that's the news article that came out today. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure that most people that are listening know what I'm talking about. Uh, and the, re- the reason I connect it with 2013 is that's the year that the same story kind of came out with head coach Mark Hudspeth. So the story is, is an article was released by fansided.com about, obviously, the rumors with Joe Moorhead being the top candidate to become the new head coach at Rutgers. Now, obviously, that means Mississippi State would be looking for a head coach. And according to this article by, I don't want to mess up his name, Ethan Lee, on fansided.com, the number one, the top replacement for Joe Moorhead is Billy Napier. Now, you know, I'll, I'll quickly read a little bit of what, what the article says. And it says, the top name on any potential coaching search list for a school in the South should be Billy Napier. Napier has, in a very short amount of time, turned the Cajuns into a team that, at least in its own conference, should be respected and feared. He's gotten his athletic department to buy into his vision and has built his program the same way Saban has shaped Alabama. And that's paying off for the Cajuns right now. In his first year in Lafayette, Cajun Napier guided the Cajuns to a 7-7 seven and seven season. Louisiana fell in the Sunbelt Championship game and later the Cure Bowl, but Napier announced his arrival by making it to the conference title game and getting his team to a bowl game. Now in 2019, the Cajuns have taken things up a notch with Napier's team challenging Joe Moorhead and the Bulldogs to start the season, and they have since jumped out to an impressive 5-2 and two record. So... You know, obviously, for for multiple reasons, Napier could be the top candidate. But, Jerry, I want to get your thoughts on it. Do you think it's too early? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, look, he it's his second year. Yes, he's done so much in two years. He still hasn't produced a winning season yet here. Um, again, last year the team finished 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, he still has a little. He still has a little ways to prove himself. But I'm not gonna lie. As a fan, it is a little scary hearing that there's interest. It's a little scary that his name is being thrown out there. But uh, I still feel a little optimistic that he still has a few years to really prove himself. And now, in about two or three years from now, I'm gonna be very worried because, of course, I think by then he'll be well established and. He will get some phone calls and, and some some uh, communications from bigger schools. Uh, right now, I think it's still a little too early. Um, I think that's just something that you know. I mean, look, we all knew he was he's a big name. Look at I mean, look at his resume. Look who he's coached under. Look at where he's coached. So of course, because of that, naturally, naturally, so his name is always going to be thrown into the hat by default. So. I will say we do kind of have to expect that a little bit, especially with the way the team's playing right now. Um, as far as if you know whether or not Mississippi State would just scoop him up, I don't think Mississippi State is going to go after someone who hasn't proved himself quite yet. I think Bill. Now, I'm not saying Billy Napier has to prove that he's a good coach. We know he's a good coach, but I still think it's going to take at least a year or two for him to come in and you know, like like for example, if the team finishes the regular season with a ten and two record. Yes, maybe next year, and especially next year with what the, with the talent the Cajuns have coming in, especially also with the returning players that are coming back, next year is set up to be a special season. So this year and next year, if, if, if Coach Napier has that success, by the end of next year, I will start worrying. Right now, I think it's a little too soon. Yeah, and you know the, the one thing that, that really kind of annoys me about this article, and it wasn't 
I didn't think about it until it was brought to my attention by, you know, our good friend BJ Thompson. This article comes out a month before the early signing period for recruits. Right. So, you know, you got you got to think the way a recruit would think. This kind of makes you skeptical to continue your commitment to the university. Am I wrong? I mean, yes and no. There's a lot more factors that go into that. Um, like, for example, look at App State. I mean, I'm sure there's no there's no doubt in my mind, especially with the fact that App State is a top 25 team. There's people or schools probably recruiting in that area against them going, well, you know, they're not, their coach ain't going to be there forever because they're ranked and he's going to get a better job. Kind of like what happened with Scott Satterfield when he went to Louisville. You gotta expect that. You're gonna expect that. You know, you know, schools are gonna use that against you. But here's one thing the Cajuns have to, that that is actually working their advantage. To their advantage is that Cajuns have facilities. Cajuns yeah. pay the full pay. Cajuns pay the full cost of attendance. Um, the the culture itself, the Cajun culture, the the city of Lafayette, Acadiana, all of those factors sell a player to come play here. Now, granted, don't get me wrong. The coaching staff is one of the best coaching staffs I think this university has had since the 80s, okay? But those other factors also play a role in recruiting. Now, granted, you never want the threat of your coach leaving, but here's the thing. As long as Brian Maggard is in charge of that athletic department, there's no question he's going to bring somebody else that's going to be just as good as Billy Napier when it's time for Billy Napier to go somewhere else or get a better job. If he wants to go, if he leaves, you never know. He might stay. So um, as long as we have the same leadership there, I mean, they've done a fantastic job so far. Uh, I'm not too worried quite yet. No, and, you know, I, I have to agree. But like like you said, it's kind of it's kind of alarming to see that so early on in his tenure. But, but it's, a compliment, it's a compliment to Billy Napier, though, on, on, on the type of coach that he is. No. When, when his name is being brought up. A hundred percent. You know, he's only coached 23 games as a head coach, and he's already in the mix for a potential SEC head coaching job. Well, but as a fan, as a fan, I understand the concern. I yeah. understand the concern, but here's the thing. For years, we've, as Cajun fans, we've wanted to sustain success. We've wanted to have consistent success. When you have consistent success as a G5, you're going to get, you're going to start getting nitpicked with, your coach possibly leaving to go to a, a, a bigger school. That's a compliment. That's a compliment to the program because it goes to show you that means the program is winning. Yeah. So, um, you mean, look at what Arkansas State went through those three straight years from 2011 to 2013. All three coaches left to take bigger jobs, two of which still uh, – one of them coached in the SEC. Another one is still in the SEC coaching a top-10 program. And then the, other, the, the third is at Boise State with a top-25 program. So, that, that's <laughs> – when you're able to have that type of uh, that those type of coaches, you know it only makes your program better. Right, absolutely, and you know now we'll we'll get into kind of the final thoughts on this edition of the of the Raging Cajun Army. Now we like you like we like we've been talking about. Now you're in the bottom stretch, last five games of the year. Cajuns will host Texas State on November second. For homecoming, kickoff is at 4 p.m. I dread the 4 p.m. kickoffs. I dread homecoming. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the pageantry, but I much prefer a, a 6 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, November 2nd, 4 p.m. kickoff. Game is, as usual, broadcast on ESPN+. You can catch all the action on your airway on ESPN 1420. Jay Walker, Chris Lano, Cody Juno, as usual, with Steve Peliquin and Chris Gannon bringing you the pregame show two hours before kickoff. Now, one thing that I think I'm going to test for this Texas State game, since I won't be able to make it, is SyncMyGame.com. Uh, Steve Peliquin's been talking about it on 1420 for a couple weeks now. Apparently, it's this website where you can turn on the broadcast on TV, mute your TV, Pull up a radio, the radio broadcast on your computer, and you can sync the broadcasts. Huh, that's really cool. So I, I think since I won't be able to to attend, 
due to uh, due to family obligations, I think that I'm gonna have to have to test that out for for that for that homecoming game against Texas State. No, absolutely, man. That'd be really cool if it works. If it's successful, that'd be a great tool to use. No, absolutely. All right, Jerry. Any final thoughts before we uh, before we wrap this one up? Well, just really, I thought the Cajuns played a great game the other night. It's always nice to go up to Jonesboro because, like we've talked about, it's a very difficult place to win at. Um, I think the Cajuns winning that game convincingly the way that they did. They, of course, they separate themselves as the clear number two, really, of the conference behind App State. Um, but uh, they also separate themselves as the clear. Even though they're tied with ULM, I really believe the Cajuns are the, the clear number one in the West. So uh, great win for Coach Napier and his team. Great way to respond after the week before. And um, it was a perfect scenario. You win the game, you're 5-2. and two. Big win against technically a rival in your conference on national TV. Now you go in with a 16-day bye where you can just kind of relax for a couple weeks, heal up. The players can kind of uh, regroup, and now you go into homecoming, which we'll talk about more in, more uh, next week in the next episode. But you go into homecoming against a Texas State team that's sort of struggling a little bit. And so uh, this is where the, the, the team can work out their kinks and really get going. But in the meantime, um, man, the Cajuns are 5-2, and two, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm um, having a lot of fun, but uh, this week, I don't know about you, but like the team, I'm going to kind of take a break and kind of take a uh, a second to breathe because it's been a, it's, I mean, we're already, dude, we're, we're seven games in, man. Can you believe how fast this season has gone by so far? No, it's, it's insane. It feels like just last weekend we were sitting in the Superdome for the game against Mississippi State. And let's hope, okay, so we're seven games in. Let's hope we have another seven games to play because remember, you get five games of the regular True. season, you take care of business, you go to a, a championship game, and then you go to a bowl, a bowl game. game. So let's hope, let's hope we're, I'm not saying we're, we're, uh, we're through the majority of the season. I'm going to say we're halfway through the season, right? We're halfway. Let's, let's, let's remember, we're only one game away from bowl eligibility. This is, this is halftime of our season, if you will. Um, and yes, one game away from bowl eligibility, man. How about that? Yep. You, success is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Well, I just want to say, uh, I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of hype around town. Again, after that win against Arkansas State, there are people who ex- who are excited that I've talked to. But, um, you know, again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, man, the football football season this year, it's been so much fun. Uh, so many good teams around town. Um, you know, the success. I mean, just the teams around the state. And I know, look, this is a episode about the Cajuns, but you look around the state, you know, you got LSU at number two in the country. You've got Tulane and Louisiana Tech with top 25 votes. And guess what? The Cajuns aren't that far away from getting some top twenty-five votes. No, they aren't. But, it goes, but, but and, and look, I'm you know I don't, <laughs> I'm not trying to give a shout out to anybody else, but it goes to show you in a state of a little under four million people, the talent of, of football players that they have in this state is unbelievable. To have four universities that are top fifty programs, that's yeah. impressive. That's yeah, very and, impressive. And you know, I love that you brought up LSU because. Just for one quick second, I'm a, I'm a bring an LSU joke into this episode. Joe Burrow really showed his ass, didn't he? <laughs> oh man! Oh. All right, man. That's gonna do it for another episode of the Raging Cajun Army. Jerry, thank you as always for coming on, and uh, you know, like like you said, we'll talk next week about a, uh, about a matchup against Texas State. Hey, let's uh, let's stretch our legs. Let's do a, um, like we I think at the UL football games it would be like the the fourth quarter stretch right. Yeah. Let's all as, as as a fan base Cajun Nation together we'll just we'll stand up and take a quick stretch because this is kind of like this bye week we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rest up with the rest of uh, the football. Take team. some take some ice baths too while we're at it. Take some ice baths. Take a quick stretch because I'm telling you man this this next part of the season this second half is gonna be a lot of fun to watch and it's gonna be a track meet so get ready. No, absolutely. And like we said, we'll, we'll talk more next week about previewing Texas State. But until then, Cajun Nation, thank you as always for listening. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can now subscribe on Apple Podcast. I still can't talk about how excited I am for that. But, you know, there, there's multiple ways to follow us. There's multiple ways to get in touch with us as well. You can email us, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com. Message me on Twitter. Message me on Facebook. Anything you want us to talk about, let me know. You know, I, I like to get I like to get you guys involved. 
So if there's anything that we're not talking about, maybe you want to hear, let me know, and uh, we'll be sure to talk about it in the in the future episodes. But until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Cajuns.